All right. Hello, Barb and Melissa. Thanks for joining me today. Um, I'm Pat Mulroy. For those of you who don't know me, I am the, dir- the director, I don't know, the supervisor of the World of Learning Institute. And we are a feisty bunch of folks who provide world language services to people wherever they are um, when they can't find a teacher. And we do that virtually um, in Zoom, as well as asynchronously in Canvas. And so today um, I asked Barb and Melissa to join me to talk about how the best practices that we use at the World of Learning in our virtual program and how they translate into brick and mortar because both Melissa and Barb teach for us, but they also are full-time teachers in brick and mortar schools. So first, um, let's start with Barb. Will you just introduce yourself? Give us a little overview of who you are. Sure. Um, I'm Barb Clauser, and I this is year 29 for me in education overall. Um, I've taught middle school and high school Spanish. Also dabbled a little bit with some elementary over the summer for different programs, um, both live and virtual, and have served as an instructional coach for my district and just returned to the classroom post-COVID. So we're going to see kind of what's going on now. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here with us today, Barb. Um, and Melissa. I'm Melissa Henderson, and I've been uh, teaching for 27 years, and I've taught preschool, just regular old preschool. And then I've taught elementary French up through high school French. And I've taught in the brick and mortar setting and also in the virtual setting. Wow. I'm, I don't want to even add up, put even put my years in there because gosh, <laughs> gosh, darn, we, between the three of us, we've got quite a bit of experience. And um, I think one of the fun things um, in getting together and talking with you guys is just that we have been through, you know, there's all these things that have happened and we've all talked about the way we could love to shake up the world and make um, education more student-centered, more learner-friendly, more teacher-friendly even. Um, and I think you two have found that in the world of learning a little bit. So um, Barb, do you want to just tell us maybe something that surprised you um, about what you Coming through. started teaching? Virtually, um, I think it was this whole idea. I mean, we, we all know in education, regardless of what you're teaching, it's the kids you're teaching and the, the connections you have to make with those kids and just how deep of, of a connection you can make even in a virtual setting. Um, it, it can be challenging, but I mean, it's challenging, I think, in the, the regular brick and mortar classroom right now, too. Um, but just this is my third year working with you all virtually and I had a student come and ask me to write like letters, a recommendation for college for her. And she's been literally a black screen the last three years for me. Um, and, you know, sometimes you wonder if that connection is happening, but it is. So I think it's really, uh, it, it, it goes across, it translates across virtual or real world, like those connections you make with the students. It's interesting. Yeah. And I, I really have echoed that. Like most of you, I have minimally met physically like in a physical world, but like the two of you, I feel super connected to. So I I can really relate to that because as teachers and as professionals, like you are two of the people who like kind of as a supervisor of the world of learning, like I want to know what you think, because I think you're great teachers and, and you always have something to offer. If I have a teacher who's struggling Um, and you're both so generous with your time and also 
I don't know. They don't have a thing. They they have emotional intelligence, all these, but you guys have a teacher intelligence um, about you. I think you heard it first here, folks. Teacher intelligence. <laughs> They've got it. Um, so, Melissa, how about you? Do you have like some experience, you know, in this teaching that you know you went, wow, this really is viable, or you know, kind of? You were one of the first people who came from brick and mortar too to us, and so. Um, yeah, tell us about your experience, like making that transition. Yeah, well, when I first started, I came as like those a teacher just coming for those workshops, and truly, it was absolutely selfish. I was looking for somebody to re-energize me and help me want to continue teaching because I was just not in a good place, and I had a bad attitude, and I just didn't like where I was. I don't know. I didn't like how I was feeling, but it was so nice to be in a place where everybody, even though they might not have been a French teacher, everybody was a language teacher and everybody was having the same problems and the same issues and um, just trying to figure it all out together. And just to know that I wasn't by myself because as a language teacher, especially, I think oftentimes in a brick and mortar setting, you feel very alone. And sometimes that's a really hard place to be. But um, I mean, since I've gone through all that and like, I just feel so excited about teaching again. And I feel like I have so many more tools in my tool belt. And um, just, I have a lot of people who are behind me that if I have a problem or a question that I can re- reach out to 20 some other people and ask a question to, and they can help me. And I love that. I mean, so that's the selfish part of me that needed fed. And I absolutely am fed where I am right now. And I love that. But I mean, for my students, seeing this virtual learning as viable, I've taught just like we all have, even in brick and mortar, you have kids from all different backgrounds, but even in the virtual I never realized the variety of kids that we are teaching. I mean, last year I had a student who was like on that Olympic track, you know, she is working out every day, a bazillion hours in the gym and just, you know, it fits better in her schedule to be online. Or I had another, another student who had, I didn't realize she was a black screen kid though. And when I was talking to her the one time and asked her, you know, was there anything I could do just to be able to little get a little glimpse of her? You just want to see their faces so desperately. You want to put a face with that name. And, um, but I didn't realize that she had a birth defect and she was embarrassed and she didn't want to turn her camera on. And, um, and then I've, you know, taught lots of kids who have like really extremely high anxiety and there are kids who have other health issues and that. I don't know. I, I did, I guess I never considered a lot of those other underlying issues that are happening and that's why they're choosing. And I absolutely feel that virtual learning, it has a place and it is flexible and it can offer classes to those students that are in addition to having maybe an issue that they feel they don't want to be in a brick and mortar setting, you know, to be around, but also just to help those home districts who don't have the ability to have a language class to offer. They don't have a physical teacher to put in that room that there are companies, our company (laughs) to, um, to be able to do that. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, and I think on, on two aspects, like I'm so grateful that I got to meet both of you in like different ways, you know, like Melissa, like you said, we had those local events and you, you kind of showed up and you were like a bright spot because 
You're so creative. And, and I remember walking in and Barb's assistant principal was like, no, you got to meet Barb. Cause I was saying, do you know anybody who can teach? We need, we need this. And, and, um, that's how I met Barb, her, her assistant principal, um, you know, introduced me to her and you both kind of come from that, that space of being respected by your peers, which is awesome. So I'm glad that we're in reinvigorating. And I do feel like the thing that I love about what we do and what I love about what I do now, you know, not being a district level administrator is I really can't focus on supporting teachers a hundred percent, because I do believe that if we don't focus on supporting teachers um, and I believed this way before COVID, you guys know that way before COVID, um, if teachers feel respected and cared about an individual and that, you know, people see them and what they need, I also feel like um, you can turn around then and you're more likely to do that for kids. And I think one of the gifts that the two of you have given to the world of learning has been that you've both mentored folks for us and, you know, really kind of brought people into the fold. And um, Barb, you're actually doing it right now. Um, can you talk about a little bit, Barb, we'll start with you, just, um, you know, what are some of the bigger challenges for someone who's new to this experience that you feel like, cause you both mentored several people, like, so think about what are those common things and you guys can bounce off each other if you want to hear a little bit. So it, I, that's such an interesting question. Um, from what, well, the two different cases that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head. One was somebody who didn't have the teaching background. So with that, that was a totally different approach that I used with him because he just, he had the enthusiasm and the desire. He just didn't have maybe the the foundation. So it was a much different talk about lesson planning and what makes a good lesson and things to start and, you know, what's in the middle of your lesson, how you're going to tie things together, check for understanding all of that. And in the other hand, it's somebody who, who might not know the tech issues or might not be comfortable with the technology, which obviously is going to be a big issue in virtual learning. Um, because there are a lot of balls in the air, you know, anytime you're doing a lesson. And I think for some of us, you know, we get to a point, we don't think about it anymore. And when you really sit down and make a list of all of those, you know, how to make the priorities and what you need to focus on, um, it can be overwhelming for people. And I think trying to peel back those layers and make it manageable so somebody can do, okay, though this week I got this done. I'm going to try to add this tool next week with them or try this way to engage students because you can't jump in all the way when you're, you're uncomfortable with it. Um, so I think it, it comes about making it manageable for people to do one step at a time and add maybe another layer to it. And okay, this week I feel real good about this. Maybe the next, next time I'll add this tool or I'll try to bring this kid in or, you know, use the chat more with kids because they want the, they have to feel comfortable in order to get their content across or kids are going to tune out. So I think that's the biggest thing I've dealt with with a couple that I've been working with lately. Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything that Barb said. And I think like just establishing that routine, you know, that you're kind of doing the same pattern every day. So kids are just creatures of they like that. They they find some comfort in that routine. And whether you're brick and mortar or whether you're in a virtual environment, I think they thrive um, if they know what the expectation is and where you're starting and where you're headed. Um, I also believe the same, that there are so many tools and they are all amazing. And 
sometimes we can get very overwhelmed by trying to use too many things at one time. So I think absolutely it's best to start small and then build a little bit on that. And organization, that's, oh my goodness, that's like key. I've got lists and grids and sticky notes. Yes. <laughs> like organization to me is like, I don't know. It's, it's a sickness. I like truly, I have like little, you know, booklets everywhere and yes, sticky notes everywhere. So yeah, absolutely. I think that those are, those are good. And game, like kids love games and things like that mm-hmm. too. So I think that those are always fun to incorporate as well, whether you're brick and mortar or, you know, they need something to move them along, make them want to do some of those extra things. So, yeah. Well, one of the things that I also find, and, and neither one of you really mentioned this, but the two of you I have seen as probably um, some of the biggest people who are sharers, like mm-hmm. you share what you learn, you share your slides. And for me, I think the slides are like kind of at the heart of live instruction. Um, and you both make beautiful slides, by the way, <laughs> really special. That's about a sickness for me. That is like, yeah. I love a good slide. <laughs> like, yeah. So, Barb, hours. Like, yes, like, hours. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And pay teachers oh, enough for what they do. I, yeah, I absolutely, I, whatever I create, anybody can, you know, I'm willing to share and, and help, you know, somebody else create something as well. I think it's, it's just fun. Like to me, I love, that's like, it's a passion. I love, I would just do slides all day. If mm-hmm. somebody wanted to pay me just to create slides, I would just do that. I lo- I would love to do that. Yeah, yes. that's great slides. I love designing the course designing canvas and putting all like that. That to me is a lot of that's where I get my creativity juices going because like it, it makes me like think about, oh, I could do this now with this in class or, you know, how especially I think last year when and my brick and mortar school, we had kids both in class and on Zoom at the same time trying to do everything. If I didn't have those slides to tie everything together to like those kids would have been all over the place. Um, and it was, it helped keep me on track too. So yeah, that is absolutely the biggest thing. And last year, you know, I just changed in a situation where I got thrown in to teach level one and two at the end of the year. And people were so generous. Like Melissa said, I put it all call out and everybody was sharing everything because I hadn't taught that level in forever. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Because why should we be recreating the wheel when there's great resources out there? We're all in this together, right? I mean, what what do you think? I mean, for me, um, like, what do you think is the barrier that keeps folks from being more collaborative? Like, I see this as a super collaborative environment at the world of learning, like really super collaborative. Like, like you said, like, you know, I see stuff going off in teams all the time. Somebody finds a tool, somebody does something that works really well in class or, you know, they, you know, like you just see really crazy things that, you know, like that are great for kids, you know, like the virtual tours or like somebody found one where you listen to a radio station as you're going through. I mean, just really very cool things that are going to engage kids. And what do you think the barrier is in places that we don't have people sharing more? I mean, you know, people go out and pay teachers, pay teachers when like, why wouldn't you just give it to your next door neighbor? Like, I don't charge my neighbor for sugar when she wants a cup of sugar. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, There are a lot of groups that actually are sharing now. There are. I found more recently. Um, There is still a lot of teachers pay teachers because, you know, it is a lot of work. And I understand that they want compensated for that. I can appreciate that. Um, But I think at least in some settings, I think there are a couple things that are barriers. Time, first of all, is a huge barrier. Even though I have another language teacher that's pretty much right across the hall from me, I rarely see her. And that's really hard. Like if I have a question or if I want to say, what are you doing? What do you do with this topic? Um, It is so hard to find that time just to even be able to connect. And also some people I think are just isolated. You know, they don't have anyone that they can even ask. But I think those two things, at least that I've noticed personally, that um, are the biggest I think definitely a time and like here with we're learning, like you can throw a message on teams yeah. and whenever people have time to read it, they can That's get to it. And yeah. it amazes me when I put stuff on how fast people respond yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I've got a whole hallway of teachers um, that are language teachers and I might see one on a regular basis because just the way our schedules are, I think secondary is very much an isolated we don't have the common time, like at middle school teachers, a lot of times they've got t- common planning time or team time to work on things. We don't really typically have that at our level. Um, and some people, quite honestly, and I, I hope we're getting away from this more, don't, I don't know if they feel they're going to be judged by what they're doing or they don't want people to know what's going on in their classroom in some, in some situations. Um, I don't have that in, in the department where I work. We're, we're pretty collaborative and are in and out of each other's classrooms um, for peer coaching and different things like that as much as we can. Um, hasn't been as much the last couple of years, I will say, just because of of some of the mm-hmm. other constraints yeah. that we have. But I don't know. I think as language teachers, most of the time we're pretty, we like to talk and we like to do things. And, you know, we will, we just had somebody new start for us. And I said to my one colleague, I'm like, I hope we don't overwhelm her. Cause we were like all in her room the first day here, have this and have this. And I'm like, she probably felt like so overwhelmed at the end of the first period, by the time we were all done. But yeah, you know, I wish we, people would feel more comfortable um handling, you know, handing out things because I think like, like Melissa said, you don't want to sit, spend hours recreating something that you might be able to adapt from somebody else. And I do agree. I think Melissa, you're right. Like people do deserve to be paid for their work. Like, but I also see that there's this collaborative nature, you know, that, that we have that, you know, a school, school districts all have teams or Google meet chat or whatever at this point. I mean, do you ever see a point in time where maybe that some of what you've learned here can kind of bubble out into, you know, do you see yourselves having the ability to, to kind of open the doors for people who, you know, like we've talked about your chemistry colleague, Melissa, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's really cool that she's like, now I want to try this too, you know, and I'm really thankful about that. Um, Yeah, it's kind of touchy though, because I think they feel like we're going to steal them away. So um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. And and I think part of it is too, and we touched on this, I think very briefly earlier, um, because I think if anything else comes out of the pandemic, we've learned that virtual learning can work and it can be good. It can also be really bad. And those that experienced the bad side of it, um, or didn't, you know, were just very challenged during the whole pan, you know, pandemic year of last year. Not that we're out quite yet, but feel like that is virtual learning and they don't want anything to do with it. And it's now a bad thing. 
but I think it's here and it's here to stay and we just need to keep making it better. And we're going to have to be more open to teachers having more hybrid type positions, maybe to meet the needs of all of those kids. Yeah. Because we're not going to have the teachers to be able to teach all of them, unfortunately. I agree. Yeah. And I mean, I think administratively, very similar to how some people don't want to maybe share their work because they're not sure it's up to, up to snuff or they feel like a little, you know, like maybe I'm not as good as somebody else. Um, I hope that we can, you know, my hope is that we can encourage people to see that, you know, we can create these, like you talked about, you guys have both created relationships with students and your colleagues who you've never really met physically and you do it using some virtual tools, you know? So like your teacher who's down the hall, like, could you, could you send them a quick, like if you're using Google or whatever, or Schoology or, you know, like, do you see that as a realistic thing? Like, because you're doing it every day, like with other colleagues who are like, some of them are on the other side of the country and, you know, like, so it, it doesn't feel like we should not be able to do that with our colleagues who are down the hall. Like you can send them a short instant message. Like I think back to the old days, what was it, instant messenger or whatever? Um, we've come a long way, baby. Um but do you see like some of those tools ever taken hold in your school? You know, like, I mean, businesses use Slack. I mean, it's wonder. I don't know. I think so. Like we're, I'm, the district where I work is not huge. Um, there are about 80 teachers in my building. I, I don't know. We're very reliable on email still for sharing sort of things. Google, we use Google a ton, Google Docs and, and you know, Google Drive to share things that way. We have shared drives in there. So I think in some respect, we are doing a little bit of that already. I don't know if there's going to be quite the need like we do at World of Learning where we are all spread out over the country because we do have access, we have closer access to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's all going to depend because I think in the next five or 10 years, things could start looking drastically different across the board in education. And we might be sharing people across districts and, and, you know, more, more of a job share thing, you know, trying to make sure that kids do have access to what they need. Our district as well. They don't, um, I mean, we rely heavily on email. We don't really use teams for messaging or chatting or collaborating um, in that way. If you have a question or, you know, we just send emails and share things that way, but yeah, I, I agree with Barb. I, it would be nice to push a little bit towards that, but, um, I think there's a resistance in some way as well, because, um, I think many teachers are still feeling very overwhelmed and me included yeah. at times. And when you add one more extra tool, <laughs> yeah. Or, um, yeah, sometimes it is a little stressful. So. Yeah. And I, I do think that, you know, the main thing is to try and make things easier for everybody. These have probably been the hardest times in education. And like for some of it's, it's super exciting. It's like, oh yeah, like now we can try something new, but not everybody gets excited by change or, or gets excited by the possibility of new things. So yeah, we do need to keep that in mind because I think teachers and nurses and lots of those frontline, lots of you all who are frontline people out there. Um, had a lot to deal with. So I appreciate that you guys hang out with us still at the world of learning. So, um, 
before we close, um, I'm wondering if you could give a shout out to one of your favorite tools, something that you found that your kids love um, that I could share out, you know, with folks who are listening and they could give it a try in their own classrooms. Wow. Put us on the spot. Trying to think of just one um, for, for me, right. Ever since the beginning, I had the opportunity to do FlipCon, which was a conference out actually by you in Mars PA um, several years ago. And I was introduced to the tool Edpuzzle and I love it for assessing listening and they have been wonderful to work with. And everybody, I got a license for our school, like everybody from history to science to languages are all using it for different ways. It's been really a lifesaver during the last couple of years, especially, but now people are learning that they can use it um, inside their classrooms, regardless whether it's a pandemic or not to allow kids to do some stuff in a flip setting. So allows them to embed questions and videos and kids can watch it on their own time. So there's that. Thank you. And Melissa, how about your favorite tool? Yeah, my favorite is Look It right now. And I love it because it is a game that you can play with the kiddos and you can put in different sentences in a continuation, or you could put in just simple vocabulary that you're trying to get them to, you know, go back and forth between. But the best part about it, well, there's a couple of things that are the best, but there's 12 different game modes. So like you can use the same list and play it in like a million different ways. And also if you're old like me and you have quizlets for like all of your vocabulary anyway, you can go and just, copy all of your Quizlet vocabulary and or whatever you how you created that Quizlet and just drop it right into Book It and it makes a game in like literally five seconds. It is amazing and I love it and the kids love it. My students from virtual to brick and mortar, they beg to play that game. They really do. And it truly is it's fun. They love it. So I will second that. Some of the other teachers in my department have been using that one too. Well, I'm going to third that because when we did surveys in December and we asked the kids what they liked, some of them were like, look, it came up. Yep. I'm like, what's that? Like, I had no idea. So and um, that showed up in the student surveys for That's the awesome. first semester that kids like love when their teachers play look it. And yep. um, I think, Melissa, you told me what it was then. So Yes. Yeah. And I try not to share it too much with my colleagues just because I don't want everybody to play it. Is that right? Because if something plays it too much, they don't want to play it with me. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to find a new one. (laughs) That could happen with Kahoot and a couple other ones that everybody started using so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's so funny. Yeah. It's like having your own special game. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you two so much. I can't thank you enough. I don't know if you have any um, parting wisdom, but. I am just grateful that the two of you found your way to the world of learning. You both offer so much to the kids, to your colleagues, um, to myself and Anita, Olivia and Lauren. So um, thanks for all you do. I really appreciate you. And thank you because you helped to re-energize me a little bit for things too. So appreciate that. Same. I feel exactly the same. I appreciate it. Well, listen, I hope that we can get together and have another conversation and follow up. You guys are a wealth of knowledge and I sure appreciate your insight. So have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye.